0: Hey! What's up, everybody? My name's MJ, and you're listening to the MTG In Quarantine Podcast. As usual, before we begin, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. I'd also like to utilize this opportunity to give a huge shout-out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash quarantine. So a huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Ben's Anomaly, Nick S., Frugal Brutal, Jenna the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach J-Row, Geek Beardly, and Scoop for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash MTG in Quarantine for more information. And again, you're probably sick of me saying this, but you can pick your up your very own MTG in Quarantine branded playmat over at Inked Gaming. That's I-N-K-E-D-Gaming.com. Got two really awesome versions over there, both the full color logo as well as the grayscale version. They both look absolutely killer, and you're going to want one for you and all of your friends. So again, if you want to pick one up for yourself, go on over to InkedGaming.com. Search MTG in quarantine. All proceeds help the channel, which is greatly appreciated. Well, it's about that time of the year again. We are just about to spoiler season, and Mark Rosewater has just released his most recent Tumblr spoiler post for the new Dominaria United set. So, obviously, that means that I'm going to be doing my usual 100% completely inaccurate, false, whatever you want to call it, speculation episode. And I, honestly, I really enjoy these episodes because I know that I'm probably going to be extremely wrong on a million things. But I hope that you, as, as the listeners, really enjoy this random rant. I, or, I guess I don't really know if I can call it a rant, but, uh, you know, just enjoy the stupidity of it all, I suppose. Because I, I know I'm probably wrong, but again, I don't care. You know, hopefully the set's going to be really awesome. And yeah, I mean, I have no idea really where they're going to go with this. The Vorthos seems interesting. We will see where the story goes in the next couple of days. But again, you don't come on these episodes just to hear me talk about things for like 25 minutes. Of course, I have a guest. So I would like to introduce today's guest, someone I actually got to meet in person for the very first time at Command Fest Bellevue a few weeks ago, good friend of the channel. I would like to introduce Katie Karlov. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: No problem. So, uh, Katie, before we get started here on this interesting, 100% completely inaccurate speculation post thread, uh, can you give a quick shout out to all the Twitch streaming that you do?
1: Yeah, hey, thanks. I uh, stream on Twitch on Wednesdays at my channel, twitch.tv slash katiekarlov, where I play EDH with other people in the community, as well as sometimes my husband. And uh, yeah, we have a good time over there.
0: All right, and where can you find this Twitch stream if people are interested in checking that out sometime?
1: Yeah, it's twitch.tv slash Katie katiecarlove. All right,
0: all right, sounds good. And you're also involved with the Birds of Paradise group as well.
1: Yes, I am. Um, The Birds of Paradise is just a coalition of other content creators in the community that are uh, working towards efforts to support those who are more marginalized in the community as well. So we are... Working on going to events and uh, representing as well as uh, raising money. So we just at Command Fest Bellevue raised over $1,300 for uh, Trans Lifeline. And that was just a really fun experience. We hosted games of Jumpstart with people. Um, People came to see us and play Commander with us at our table. So it was a really great experience. And we're looking forward to being at more events in the future.
0: Yeah, it was definitely awesome getting to meet all of you there at Command Fest Bellevue, hanging out in the creator area and whatnot. And I, I gotta say, listeners, the Birds of Paradise had the greatest creator table you have ever seen at a Command Fest event. I mean, it had the, the complete sparkle layout, the, the, the tablecloth. I mean, that was the shiniest thing, honestly, that you've ever seen. That was it.
1: Yeah, it was, it was very stark against the black tablecloths at every other table having these, like, holographic, silvery, sparkly tablecloths all across ours. It was uh, definitely eye-catching.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, the, the reason that we're here is to talk about this Mark Rose Water Dominaria United teaser and basically a quick rundown of how this works for the listeners out there. If you haven't heard this before effectively katie and i are going to be picking out some of the highlights that are included in this tumblr post and just talk for a few minutes maybe speculate about what we'd like to see or what we think we might see out of some of these obviously these are extremely vague in most uh in most situations and obviously a lot of people have already talked about these but again they're not the mtg and quarantine podcast so honestly i i'd like to think that i am the most authoritative faker in this whole uh in in this whole content game. So anyway, uh, yeah, to get us started here, Katie, um, let's start with the first section about things you can expect from this set. What is one of the bullet points on here of, of like, the first 10 or so uh, that you really want to talk about for a little bit?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, Well, I think the Planeswalker reprint was really interesting. Um, and, And honestly, I think the other one that really interested me was the character getting a card who hadn't previously had a card mm-hmm. um so i definitely like did a lot of research today reading about the story of dominaria and and the characters that you see in those stories and then i even read the news story highlights from wizards that they've been posting is it every day or is it every week
0: I mean, they they've been posting every uh, a new story piece every day since for okay. the last week or so. I think.
1: Yeah. So I I did a little bit of research, and and so part of it was to try to figure out if I could get any context on what Planeswalker they would be reprinting, or what character would be getting a card that hasn't been on a card, mm-hmm. um, have had its own named card. Um. And I felt like they kind of went hand in hand a little bit because, you know, obviously when you talk about Dominaria, there's like a lot of stuff in magic lore that's happened there. Um, A lot of faces pop up within the stories and stuff. And so obviously some of the ones that first came to mind when I read this um, tidbit by Mark Rosewater was obviously like Teferi or Mm -hmm. Karn was the one that came to mind quickly um, But, I don't know, I was kind of struggling on determining who it would be because there's so many people involved in the story already, and so um, I, I felt like Karn might have been the one I was leaning the most towards.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly makes sense since Karn is really at the forefront of the story. I mean, again, for the Borthos heads out there, Karn has been spending the last many, many years here trying to find allies in his fight against New Phyrexia. And it, it makes perfect sense that Karn would would have another Planeswalker card released here, right? I mean, again, as has been brought up on the Twitters today, obviously, a lot of the Teferi cards that have been put in Standard have been very problematic as of late. Uh, even if they weren't actually banned in the format, they have been problematic. So... I've definitely seen some consideration that maybe it couldn't be Teferi. Uh, I, again, I don't know necessarily if this is true or not. It, obviously, we're, this is speculation, so we're just going to be on a wild guess here. But I've also seen a lot of speculation about Liliana of the Veil, actually, being a reprint on here, which I can definitely see. Um, obviously, that's the three-mana Liliana, the one with discardability, and the extremely backbreaking ultimate uh, that's still currently about $70, I believe. So that's certainly possible. I mean, obviously, Katie, what do you want to see for for fitting this uh, particular description?
1: Well, the the thing that kind of um, I'm excited about in magic right now is learning about the lore. Um, I'm reading The Brothers' War right now um, to kind of get myself ready for... Uh, the Brothers War set that's coming out later this year um, but what what it means is is that I'm intrigued by Karn as a character in the stories because he's created right by mm-hmm. am I crazy? I'm I'm literally reading the book right now. <laughs> he's created by one of the brothers. Correct.
0: Yes, yeah. Urza yes. does create him. Yes.
1: Urza. That's who I wanted to say. Right? <laughs> I want to sound like an idiot. Um,
0: no, it's totally fine. I mean, honestly, I haven't even read the old books. I'm just kind of. I'm probably going off a less lore than you are in some of these cases. So don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> well, I about um, I would say two months ago, I I went down the rabbit hole of wanting to learn more for whatever reason about Nicol Bolas, and I was like reading all this stuff, and I also write D and D stuff for Mm -hmm. myself, for my players that I run a campaign for. Um, But in doing that, you end up reading a lot of D&D lore. And so then I was like, well, what about magic lore? And so then I just went down that rabbit hole. Um, And that was where I landed on reading The Brother's War. Because it's really the first book in all of the magic books um, that is like direct canon to like what's happening now. Obviously, there's some pieces of the older books that are still carried through. But sure, sure. this was like the first real book that we as players in Magic are like working off of in terms of canon. So um, I'm really excited to learn more about Karn. And so, I mean, that's probably the main reason why I'm enjoying reading the little spotlights, uh, the story spotlights from Wizards, is because I think Karn is an interesting character. Um, and uh, so that's probably... Where I'm leaning, and also Karn hasn't been reprinted since Double. Oh God! Wait, the original card, Car... I'm sorry, not original, but the card that was reprinted in Double Masters was in 2015. Original. Oh no, wait. 20. I'm looking at Scryfall here. 2011, I believe, was mm-hmm. the last time a new Karn card was released. So I don't know, I just feel like he's like fodder for getting a new print or even a reprint.
0: Sure, sure. I mean, I, I think only time will tell on this one. Again, mm-hmm. I suppose we could get a different Planeswalker who's actually not included on this list. Obviously, a Johnny is included in this set as we already know, so yeah. and he's he needs a Planeswalker, so you never know, although I find that a little bit harder to believe just given the fact that uh, some of his some of his Planeswalker cards kind of go way off in the left field. So I'm not really sure about him. I, I feel like Teferi or Liliana Karn is a very safe bet at this point. I agree. All right. So now the number one thing that I see when I look at this, uh, at this and, and this is going to be a CDH player me coming out, obviously, <laughs> is a new artifact with Lotus in the name. And, Ooh. you know, if you've been listening to any podcast, especially, especially my podcast for CDH, you know that any card with Lotus in its name is obviously extremely powerful. We got Jewel Lotus out of Commander Legends a year or two ago, and obviously that's the most recent version of this, but any sort of artifact where you can crack it, add three mana, or just any some sort of uh, combination of, of that is extremely important. We've seen a lot of different takes on the original Black Lotus uh, here, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out obviously we've seen a lot of different ways to try to be able to balance the exact black lotus text of being able to sacrifice add three mana of any one color obviously you there's a whole lot of different versions that have very different kinds of downsides obviously the jewel lotus have you can only use on your commander lotus petal only gives you one mana um there's the lotus bloom i believe that has the fading counters so you can use it um there's a whole lot of interesting things out there i mean there's even lotus field which also it was just a land that does the exact same thing. So seeing some sort of artifact with Lotus in the name really excites me because, again, I, I, I can just tell that all my CDH friends are, are basically going to be salivating at this one because I have a feeling that this is probably going to end up, you know, somewhere potentially tangential within that part of the meta. And honestly, as we've seen with a lot of cards that have come out in the last couple of years here, the Lotus cards are just really good. And there's a lot of really good stuff that's been running around that end of the format that's just come out so recently. So, I, again, I'm not going to say book it, because, again, I'm known to be very wrong on this show. But I I would like to think that something with Lotus in the name will probably, unless it has just an extremely ridiculous downside, will probably end up being quite playable at the highest pinnacle of our format.
1: Yeah, I was also excited by the Lotus because I feel like I'm always chasing cards that have Lotus in it just because of that, like, name recognition of, you know, Black Lotus is like one of the most infamous magic cards, right? So, um... If not
0: the most, honestly.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? So I, when when I saw that, I was excited and I was like reading, again, I was reading today the little stories and some at one point it was mentioned of a mock lotus and i was like wait is that a thing and then i was like oh no that's an unhinged card
0: <laughs> so yeah
1: it's not gonna be that but um what would what do you think um if they're gonna have a card with the lotus in it i'm like looking at all the lotus cards right mm. now there's lotus bloom jewel lotus lotus
0: Plet. yeah Nick's jewel lotus, lotus nix lotus um i'm trying to think of exactly what i would call a new lotus card um because i mean i feel like lotus field would have been the best best thing but that's already a card right so um
1: is it phyrexian lotus
0: phyrexian lotus time <laughs> phyrexian lotus uh sacrifice uh, and pay two life to add one mana or two mana of any color to your mana pool right cost one <laughs> I, 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 or maybe co- well could you have a phyrexian colorless mana i guess you could
1: i guess you could right because you could just pay colorless but what if it makes cards in your hand use Phyrexian instead of the colored mana value?
0: You know hmm, what I mean? Like I, you
1: sacrifice it and then cards in your hand have that.
0: Oh, so, so kind of the, the little Kyrick son of Yawgmoth trick where you can kind of mm-hmm, cast everything. You can cast your spells utilizing your life totals a resource that Not
1: temporarily yeah,
0: yeah. that that would be that'd be pretty cool actually i mean i mean I like I, that would be
1: really good in CEDH. Oh,
0: <laughs> I, I mean seriously anything with fire mana on is busted already so yeah. i mean i i feel like we're probably opening up the pandora's box here but again that's the fun thing about speculation right is yeah. um uh, otherwise i mean just lotus uh i mean we even have lotus Cobra, really so i mean there's so many things you can do with this but yeah i really like your idea there kitty the, the concept of a and I is completed Lotus would actually be really cool if, yeah, if nothing else, it would at least fit in with the flavor of this set. So yeah, that, that'd be really yeah. cool.
1: I think that's what's cool about Lotus cards, too, is that it's kind of like common knowledge that they're kind of broken and that they're really good. So it wouldn't be, like, out of the scope of a Lotus card to have something crazy, like, some crazy ability like that.
0: Unless it has banding. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, now that we talked about the lotus, there, Katie, what's another uh, point here that you'd like to to bring up and try to speculate on?
1: Well, I mean, again, I kind of going back to my original one is the character who gets a card mm-hmm. that hasn't been on a card. Um, I I did again a little research because I I wanted to have some context because it literally when I read that I was like who like I can't think of I can only think of people that already have a named card. So I. I did a little bit of research and I a couple people came to mind. There's like some people that were involved in Dominaria that, you know, through the lore, um, like Emberek, the elemental planeswalker, um, also Gaia, the goddess of Dominaria. But then mm-hmm. another one kind of came to mind that I was as I was reading these stories um, that are being released by Wizards this week. Um, Teferi's daughter Niambi, who has only been on Teferi's protection. She um,
0: actually has a card. She is a legendary creature, already. Wait,
1: hey, am I dumb?
0: No, oh. no. Of course you're not dumb. I'm just saying is that Naomi actually does have a card. Um... She
1: does. <gasps> you're right. I just didn't Google it enough.
0: <laughs> well, there we, go there, go. there we go. Now, now you know a brand <laughs> new legendary creature. It's like a whole new oh. world is open for you.
1: I, you know what it is. I knew. I, I've seen this card before. Mm-hmm. I just did not know that it was Teferi's daughter. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it, it's a little hard to tell uh, at yeah. first, because I actually I, there are two versions of the Nyambi card. There's the one Esteem that came in the Planeswalker deck that can fetch up Teferi, Teferi Planeswalker, and then there's the Esteemed Speaker, which has some weird bounce house ability and some discard with legendary matters and stuff.
1: Yeah, oh, okay, and the Nyambi Faithful Healer came out in the older Dominaria set. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I totally ignore that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then Gaia was going to be my next guess. Um, Gaia is like from revisionist uh, magic lore. So, when it was Dom- Domania, I think, and that's like they kind of nixed that planes because it's too similar to Dominaria. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gaia is like the goddess of Dominaria. That's like kind of how she's been um, coined now. Um, commonly brought up by other uh, other cards in the Canon of magic but never had her own card mm-hmm. um, so I, I felt like Gaia would be kind of cool and if you're like worried about uh, new Phyre- or like the Phyrexians coming in and taking over Dominaria like what a moment for Gaia to come forward and like reveal herself as a card
0: mm-hmm yeah that definitely makes sense especially since it would end up being a really strong green card probably so we we'll, we'll see <laughs> we shall see all right second I mean honestly the the guesses I would have on here actually I think will go better with the Brothers War set that comes out next so I'm honestly not gonna try to speculate on this one because i I really have a feeling that anything I would say here. Would end up being better off in the next episode in a couple months down the road. So,
1: right. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm just gonna put that out there that I am I I could speculate, but I won't because I know I'm wrong. But maybe I'm just ahead of the time. Maybe I'm just biting my time until I'm actually correct on one of these. So so we'll see.
1: What's kind of cool about seeing this set before Brothers War is. Having the the fact that there's going to be a new Lotus card, like not knowing what that is, Mm -hmm. we know already from the Brothers War, knowing that it's about Mishra and Urza, that it's going to be probably heavy on artifacts because both Mishra and Urza are artificers, along with like Radha and some of the other big characters in that series. So, knowing that there's going to be some cool artifacts coming out in this set is. Is really intriguing for me. Um, we'll just, I'm excited to see like what we get.
0: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Speaking of more of worth those things, um, the, the point here where three original weather like crew members are in the set, um, we did just get graced with the squee side story that Dan Sheehan of the Commander Sphere wrote, and that got posted today actually, as of the day we are talking about this. And so, yeah, Squee would be one of them that shows up. Obviously, yeah. he was kind of the, the, the comic relief throughout the story, as far as I know. And that would leave two more crew members in the set. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to go into super spoilers, but I think one of them has already been revealed in the in the main storyline. And actually, yes, one of them has already been revealed in the main storyline again i'm not going to give any spoilers here in case you're interested in there i'm only mentioning the squee episode because it, it was a side story so i think that's fair game um but as far as the last crew member in the set i mean it'd be there are a lot of really interesting potential characters here some of them as far as i've read back in the lore some of them died during the Weatherlight Saga that was occurring between about 96 and 2000, 2001 or so. It was
1: a surprising um, amount of them that died.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see who shows up. But, I mean, I want to I wanna feel like... It, we just had a Sissei card a couple of years ago. But I just mm-hmm. kind of have a feeling that uh, if nothing else, she could show up as kind of a memorialized card... Um, yeah. In some shape or form, I don't know. Uh, but what I would really like to see, honestly, since we're <clears throat> since we're talking about the weatherlight here, it'd be really cool. And, and again, I'm probably wrong on this one, but it'd be really cool yes. to see another Gerard Capuchin card, actually, because we oh, yes. were we were graced with a Gerard uh, weatherlight savior, I believe, in C19, the the Boros version of Gerard that allows you you to exile him to return all your stuff to the battlefield that got destroyed. And it just makes me wonder that although he did die in the lore, maybe there's some way that he comes back. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel like my money's still on Sissé for this one, but if I want to do a stretch pick, uh, Gerard would actually be really cool to see.
1: Yeah, I think, um, there's, you know, I wanted to look up who all was involved with the Weatherlight um, ship, and one that really surprised me was Multani. Who, I, again, I'm like thinking of cards as like, oh, I use this card in this deck, and that's why I know it. But like, I was like, Multani was the Weatherlight. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, I felt like that was really surprising to me. And then Giora is like the first one that came to mind for me because it's Giora Weatherlight. Um. Wait, what is her card? <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. Uh. So those were the kind of ones that I had thought of when I was looking at this list. Um. I, I think you're probably right. Captain Sise is probably the one that makes the most sense because not only that, but like later on this list, uh, Mark Rosewater mentions cards that care about legendaries. Mm-hmm. And Captain Sisse famously does. So, yep.
0: Yeah. Plus, uh, Sisse actually was mentioned by name in the Squeeze side story. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, you should definitely go on over to The Mothership and check that story out. So, I mean, I, I think that's the reason why I bring uh, Sisei up here is she was already name-dropped in the side story, and we've seen weirder things happen. I mean, like with the, the Kiki-Jiki flip side card from Neon Dynasty Kamigawa that came out earlier in the yeah. year is that there's no way Kiki Jiki's still alive, but still ends up on a card. So I'm just wondering if on one of these interesting sagas or something, Sisei just gets her own card again, even though the last one was kind of a weird memorialized card out of a Masters set. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, I don't think it would be the first time that Wizards has made a card for a character posthumously, like after a character's already died in the lore previously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a, a safe bet.
0: I mean, it's exactly what happened with the, the new Gerard, honestly, mm-hmm. is that, you know, here he gets a brand new card for the first time in X number of years out of a Commander product. So, yeah, I, there, there's definitely room for that sort of ingenuity on Wizard's part. And, again, it doesn't... It could also set up a, again, woo, woo, time travel uh, plot point, too. So we don't know. But anyway, I'm I'm, I'm going to kind of get off my high horse here. Uh, Katie, what's the third one just on this whole list here that's really interesting?
1: Um. Okay, so the one that has been boggling me, and I still haven't thought of a good answer, is the Evergreen Counter, the mm. new Evergreen Counter. I was trying to, like, rack my brain on what could possibly be added to the list. And the only thing that came up for me was one affinity,
0: okay. um,
1: like think affinity for artifacts, affinity, affinity for tokens. Although the problem is, is that it's already sort of been used as a, as like a keyword.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, like, I kind of couldn't quite make it work in my head. And then the other one was completed. Which, again, we're talking about Phyrexia. There's, there's an invasion happening mm-hmm. in Dominaria. So the, that was one that I felt like, you know, it, this is maybe a tiny bit spoilery, but in the story spotlight, we're only on chapter two of what's been revealed. Um, there's a concern that people are being, um, like, Influenced by Phyrexians without knowing that they are, and uh, and then eventually being completed, kind of against their will. So the the thing that came to me, I was like, well, we're really leaning heavy on characters becoming completed in like that Phyrexian mentality through the last couple sets. So it would be interesting to see that become a keyword. I don't know what that would mean for. The card, but that was just kind of the first thing that came to mind. Really, the only thing I could make sense in my head.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder what a Phyrexianized counter would be. I mean, would it? Uh, what would that even do?
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not quite sure. That's kind of why I was having a hard time with this. It, but it did intrigue me, and that's really why I brought it up. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure what I would do, but it just was. It just felt like um important
0: for sure for sure i mean honestly personally i would love to see banding put as a uh, keyword counter here just because no one understands really what it does so you're it would just make limited games completely nonsensical and i would love that for some random reason but in all seriousness though yeah you're you're probably right is that we do have a bunch of counters that came out of icoria for a lot of the main keywords and I, I really like your idea of kind of a Phyrexian counter. That would be definitely something interesting, especially given the themes of the set. Otherwise, um, I'm trying to rack my brain here for a thought of a uh, another counter. I'm, I'm really not, I'm really, I'm drawing a dud here. But yeah, yeah that, that seems like a really good idea for, for some sort of counter. Very flavorful, just not quite sure exactly what it would do. I guess... Uh, I guess gives it some sort of weird mono black kind of power, it's like it gets a power boost at a cost, you know, the very typical mono black power at all cost kind of mantra. Maybe you know, would do something like that. I don't know.
1: You know what you just reminded you you kind of just like inspired something in my brain, and I I feel like you said ban- you said a um a completed counter. And you know what? It made me think of suspend where uh-huh. something comes onto the battlefield in suspend and then it, like, becomes something else after the suspend is over. But, like, what if it's a completed counter? Like, the ki- the creature comes out normal and then after, like, say, it's, like, a suspend three. Like, it's a completed three. And then it, when it's completed, it flips and it becomes a different kind of yeah. card.
0: Yeah, so it's basically a, do- a DFC card in a way. That would be... That would actually be interesting. We've seen a lot of double-faced cards before we've seen the transform mechanic. Right. This would just be a different way to to mess with that, obviously. Yeah. Or maybe maybe there'll be some sort of proliferation counter too here because again, proliferation we always see along with infect. And we yes. know infect is going to be in this deck because there's literally a card that grants poison. So mm-hmm. And unless this is one of those weird 1995 poison counters that works a little bit different than Infect, um, we're probably going to be seeing, well, we're obviously going to be seeing Infect return to the set, or or at least it feels like we're we're going to potentially see Infect return to the set. So, yeah, if it's not a completion counter, maybe there'd be some sort of proliferation counter. It'd be kind of my really off-the-wall guess here.
1: Yeah, that's a really cool idea, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, wow, we've really gone down the rabbit hole of weird, weird stuff. I mean, come, come on, come on, Mark Rosewater. If you're listening to this, make a proliferation counter or a completed counter. Just make it happen, because yeah. this, this sounds amazing. I think, I hope the listeners out there really enjoy this concept, because that, we've seen the concept of having hybrid Phyrexian mana on a Planeswalker now. Now it's time to actually move that a little bit further and make double-faced cards with this particular mechanic.
1: Yeah, that way you can enjoy your commander normal or completed.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and obviously there has to be a way to be able to flip it over uh, that, that's right. fairly easy to, to work on. Kind of like you had a back-in-shadows block with a lot of the, the transformable cards that turn themselves into Eldrazi.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: All right, so I'm going to move down to the rules text and be showing up on cards here. What is interesting? Well, I mean, I, I know... That, again, this sounds very CDH playable, so I'm going to go for the low-hanging fruit here. Exile each non-land permanent with mana value 2 or less. This is kind of the culling ritual of everything, except it's exiling everything instead of destroying it. Yeah. So, and again, what usually has a really low mana value? Artifacts. So it makes me wonder... Actually, now that you think about it, uh, Katie, again, tell me if, if this sounds crazy, but do you think this could possibly be the the Silex being detonated at the end of the story where it's exiling literally every artifact.
1: Oh, gosh. You know, I didn't even think of that until you said it, but (laughs) yes. Oh, yes. I'm I'm in with this. I think this sounds very plausible to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I... I know that or it feels like we're going to be getting some sort of weird time skip to the past with Brothers War. That's the only way this makes sense is that there's going to be a jump to the past and then obviously trying to, you know, the whole butterfly effect and all that. Obviously, I'm going off way off in the Brothers War. But again, I did mention this in my episode with Love Dev a long time ago before we came into the air, as soon as this got revealed. So I've been talking about this for a year now, really. So it's not cheating. I get my one per episode, right? Anyway, but I think it'd be really cool to see this because also if i recall correctly um let's see it was was it no it wasn't current Temporal Sunday, but urza's ruinous blast does something similar to this this it was a card out of oh man i guess it was out of the most recent dominaria set that exiles everything but legendary permanents on the battlefield legendary non-land permanents i feel like um, this exile
1: be... all non-land permanents that aren't legendary yeah
0: so I, I feel like maybe this could be something similar to that. Obviously, Urza's Ruinous Blast just literally leveled everything. But I feel like, and the reason I'm coming up with this, is that if Karn is trying to destroy the Phyrexians, and the Phyrexians have typically been, you know, artifact heavy, that's really all they are, mm-hmm. it makes me feel like anything with Mana Value 2 or less, you're going to be seeing a lot of very small... Phyrexian creatures that fit under this tab and a lot of artifacts. So I just feel like flavor-wise, this works. From a gameplay perspective, it's really going to depend on what colors this card is in. Um, but it could, if it, if this really shakes out, this could be something that is extremely CDH playable, potentially even more so than Calling Ritual. We'll see.
1: Yeah, totally agree.
0: Because again, that exile is ridiculous. It's not just destroying. It is literally exiling everything and i would love to think that this has something to do with karn uh detonating the silex to Mm -hmm. you know try to destroy the phyrexians and instead doing some weird back to the future time jump that ends up going to the next set where all of a sudden now we have to go back to 1885 and rescue uh right rescue a a distant relative (laughs) yeah
1: it's funny that you say that too because um for anybody who's reading the book's Again, this may be a little bit of a spoiler, but the in the books, Karn does go back in time. So uh, I'm not gonna say why, but like he he goes back in time after this kind of situation. So um, that totally fits into I hope the canon that they're trying to build within the cards as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It it'd be honestly fun. To, to see that sort of thing especially since we know karn knows where the silex is and yes. everyone else is trying to find it, so it just would seem perfect that this would go in there but again i'm I'm rambling a little bit uh let's let's keep things going so uh let's <laughs> go on to the next thing from the uh rules text section
1: yeah, um so I I mean, I really grabbed onto, and we've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but um, as long as Enchanted Creature is a legendary, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I think really just plays into the kind of legendary um, theme that we're probably going to see from this set. Um, again, Dominaria like includes a lot of like main staple characters from magic that everybody kind of recognizes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on with those people. And so we're probably going to see a lot of those people in the set. Um, And that's probably why we're going to see a lot of legendaries. So it'll be interesting to see um, what we're going to add to these already legendary creatures. Um, I mean, the one note that I had about this was that um, not only does Captain Sissé the card care about how many legendaries there are but also uh mox amber was printed in the dominaria set and that's Mm -hmm. you can tap it for for however many legendaries you have so um i thought that was really interesting again just kind of like building on top of like what we think we're going to see in this set and so that was kind of an interesting note for me just right off the top
0: yeah, yeah, that it's really interesting to bring up the Mox Amber because I was just looking at that earlier today while trying to work with my CDH decks. And you're right, it having the legendary matters. That's what Dominaria, the or at least the Return to Dominaria in 2018 was all about because there was a legendary creature in every pack was the idea. And yeah, it would make sense that they would continue the legendary theme because we're we're just jamming as many characters in as as possible. I mean, like this is the Avengers. Um, it, right. per se, of, of Magic the Gathering. So, I mean, you know, outside of War of the Spark, anyway. But, I mean, like, this is <laughs> potentially a really long process of just getting a million different characters in, and who knows? It says this is going to be part one of four. Who knows how many other characters are going to throw in here? But, yeah, having a Legendary Matters set makes perfect sense after the present we've already seen.
1: Yeah. And I think that, that that first little nugget off of that list also ties in with a bunch of the other little pieces that are on this list, like the enchant enchantment creatures you control have X. So mm-hmm. it's like you benefit from not only having legendaries, but then from having creatures that are enchanted, which kind of all stacks on top of each other.
0: Yeah. Okay, for my next one, I'm, I'm trying to find something that would be really interesting here. I'm, I'm going to go with... I mean, I, I'm going to skip the, the low-hanging fruit here, and I'm actually going to go to something where this... Kind of feels like an off-white effect. Obviously, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know I love playing white in in Metric Gathering. It's a fun color. And I want to see what happens with, for each opponent who doesn't, that player loses two life and you draw a card. I mean, two life seems very specific when we're talking about Phyrexian mana here. So I guess I'm wondering if this would be some sort of weird, like... tempt card, maybe where you are offering some sort of resource and someone who doesn't lose his life and you and you profit off of this. So I, I guess this makes me wonder if there'd be some sort of card where you're, you're offering the glistening oil to another player, you know, flavor-wise, but offering another player some sort of power boost. And if they don't take it, they, you, they lose two life and you draw some sort of card. So, like, they get a choice. I love these sorts of political cards in EDH especially uh-huh. because... They offer your opponents a chance to do something, but they also have a very realistic downside too. If you decide not to take the offer, but again, we don't know what the rest of this card does. So maybe the two life and allowing an opponent to draw a card is actually the great, the the lesser of the two evils, right? So I kind of want to see how this works because again, it goes in exactly in the face of everything I love about the white cards, which is that symmetrical card draw, symmetrical kind of deal making. This feels very much like a like a black card, honestly. Like you know you're you're offering some sort of temporary. power. this is the uh, you know the, the gristle brand moment. This is the Kotha Fed moment um, from from earlier in the MTG lore. It's like you know, if you want to have power, you have to pay the price for it. And so I'm I'm curious to see what else this card is going to do. And again, I know Peter is probably out there listening and saying, MJ, what are you talking about? And I'm gonna say, yes, Peter, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but this sounds mm-hmm. like a black card and but it still reminds me of the things I love about white cards so we'll just have to agree to disagree on that one
1: (laughs) yeah I I think this is interesting too because um as you said it does kind of lend itself to like help me or you're gonna or or here's this nice thing or you're gonna help me um and hurt yourself which kind of plays in a little bit to the the stories that wizards has kind of been telling about what's going on in the set. Um where there's a lot of like distrust of the people around them because they don't know if they're in line with the Phyrexians and those people also don't know if they're in line with the Phyrexians until it's kind of too late. So um it'll be interesting to see. I, I think you're right. Like I think I kind of see this as a black card. Um I almost see this as, like, an enchantment that sits on the table, and mm. it just keeps happening. Um, because, again, like, we're, we're at the point of Phyrexians kind of getting into Dominaria, where it's, it's, like, feeling, at least in the story that they're building, as a little bit unstoppable. And so it would be interesting to see this as, like, something that just continuously happens.
0: Um, yeah, that would be interesting. Game. That would be interesting. I I like where you're going with this. Yeah, that that would be cool.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, let's move on to the next one. What else catches your eye?
1: Um vehicles you control have crew 1. Um I like we we had a we've had a lot of vehicles in the last couple sets. Um And I just was like, oh, okay, we're continuing this vehicle um, line through the sets. But what's interesting is it's adding value to maybe vehicles that are better from other sets, um, where they are bigger crew costs, and now those are going to be less. um... So I thought that would be interesting. I don't actually have a vehicle deck, or um, I've never really played one that plays that either, so... Uh, it'll be interesting to see that card come out because it might make some people build vehicles into their decks, or at least a deck that's built around vehicles.
0: Mm-hmm. And we know, I mean, obviously, Parhelion 2 is really good, but not on this plane. But I mean, really, honestly, we're going to be seeing the Weatherlight in some shape or form. So it's going to be having a card that makes sense. And again, I have a feeling that it, this is going to be more of a Brother's War. Uh, things, I'm going to kind of reserve that for the next set, but <laughs> there's a lot of mecha stuff or, you know, kind of mechanized things that come out of Phyrexia. Obviously, Mishura had a lot of war engines. We've already seen in the story some Phyrexian vehicle things. So I feel like we're going to probably see some vehicle support here because we have the Weatherlight. We have these Phyrexian vehicles and there's going to be some sort of sub-theme in here, whatever that is, um, obviously we don't know, but there's going to be some interesting synergy here, so I think we're going to definitely have to keep an eye out on exactly what this ends up entailing.
1: Yeah. That's a good point about the Weatherlight. I hadn't, I hadn't even considered that in this ruling, but I, I do think that's like an interesting thing to bring up.
0: Oh, it definitely is. I mean, I think the weather lights extremely important. It's in, in all the, ah. the the marketing materials. So yeah, let's cool. see. The, the last one I'm going to do the rules text on is pay any amount of mana. This, you know, this is <laughs> th- this is a join forces mechanic. I'm I'm not going to yeah. lie. You you see like alliance of arms, which is a white card that allows everybody to create a whole bunch of tokens. This is this would make perfect sense for Dominaria for the coalition side where you're using that join forces mechanic to try to unite against a shared threat. Obviously, you know, at the EDH table, you're uniting so you can all create, get some sort of benefit, create a whole bunch of tokens or whatever it is. But yeah, the, from the Vorthos perspective, this just makes perfect sense as uniting everybody against Phyrexia. So again, I'm, I'm not going to really speculate on what this is, because it could literally, there could be a cycle of these cards, honestly, so I have no idea exactly what this would entail, but I just have a feeling that that's the exact mechanic that this is going towards.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I, you're, you're right, like the Dominaria United is the set. Like, pay any amount of mana. That works perfectly.
0: Mm-hmm. Let, let's hope, right? Okay, so we're, we're going to go to the last section here, which are the creature type lines instead. Obviously, we get five creatures and five legendary creatures, and yeah, just have at it. What sounds interesting, and what do you want to see?
1: Okay. Phyrexian horse. <laughs> I felt like, um, I just felt like, why? like do Phyrexians need to ride horses? That was my first thought. And then my second thought was, well, okay, we're we're talking about uh, a place where the Phyrexians are attempting to take over. Um, and so it kind of makes sense in that sense, but I was just really like interested in that, um, that story. I do love horses, so if I a Phyrexian horse, honestly, I would still ride it, like
0: just for the <laughs> And we have seen an Eldrazi horse because it that rides is one actually end up being flipped over already, so we've seen a precedent for this,
1: yeah. Super fun. I I honestly just was like,
0: if I pull up a Phyrexian horse, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. What am I interested in? I'm gonna jump right to the Elf Artificer legendary creature here. Um, obviously since Artificer is now a actual subtype in Magic, I feel like this could go in many different ways. Um, because now that Phyrexian is actually considered to be a creature type in its own right. I'm just curious to know would this technically mean that this character, since, since there's a lot of artifacts, with as we've talked about already, would this character potentially be a sleeper agent, or would this be someone who we potentially haven't seen working with the Coalition? I'm curious to see how an artificer fits into all of this. Maybe, um, it's, since Mark Rosewater put this into his Tumblr post, maybe actually extremely important to the story, maybe not just a side story, side character, Um, hopefully someone helping Karn through some sort of issue. I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of stories that have yet to be told. So there, it'll be interesting to see this because that Phyrexian creature type is not already tacked on there. But again, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be. I just think it's a little bit harder to, to get these to not pass muster when they don't have the Phyrexian creature type, if they're going to go that way. So Just something I want to kind of keep an eye on, especially after the most recent story post from yesterday, I believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, artificers in this set are are just interesting because, again, we're leading up to a set that's going to have a lot of artifacts, most likely, just because we know that the main characters of the story are artificers, so... It's interesting to see an elf artificer as a legendary creature because it's like, it's almost making you wonder, are we going to learn more about this character in the next set
0: as well? Mm-hmm. And again, since we know that all the elves live in Yavimaya, um there are certainly options. Although this may have already been revealed in the story, I don't know. So it, it's possible, and again, I'm not going to give it many spoilers here, but it's very possible that this character has already been revealed. So I don't know. We will yeah. find out.
1: I don't think so. I mean, just in the reading the two stories that have come out, I did not notice. Maybe I missed it, but I didn't notice it.
0: Um, I, I've read all four stories that have been included on, on the Mothership, oh, okay. and and there is a potential candidate for this one. So oh, we'll see. Say, okay. Cool. All right, any, any other ones that really catch your eye before we wrap up for today?
1: Um, I mean, the Elemental Demons. Um, mostly because earlier I had mentioned Emberek as a character mm-hmm. who may get a card. Um, Rec, uh was involved in um, oh shoot, now I'm completely blanking on this, but um, they were involved with some oh, they were actually involved with um, a Silex, which mm-hmm. may be notable to Dominaria. Um, and they helped take um I'm sorry, Wreck, uh took down a demon. So I don't know if that's relevant, but um, it, it just kind of, you know, some of like little pieces kind of clicked together for me in terms of things that we've seen uh, already kind of coming to fruition in the set and then some characters that are notably left off um, of having cards. So that was just where I went with that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that sounds like a really very plausible theory here. Hopefully, we'll be right on some of these. The last one I'm going to bring up, again, I want to mention the Lurgoist that's going to be here because, again, we can't have enough Lurgois just because of the, <laughs> the fun little lore. But honestly, Frog Beast, legendary creature, let's have it be like the long-lost sibling to the Rog monster, call it like the bitrate monster or something. Book it. We're going to see this in Dominaria. The Gitrog yeah. monster version 2, book it. <laughs> actually oh, yeah. not not really but um i'm This actually does kind of remind me of uh logan's acera six's favorite card leary fog beast that'd be kind of hilarious if it just randomly became a legendary creature so
1: yeah
0: <laughs> fun fun things uh yeah so again dominary united we're gonna start seeing that uh previews on august 18th this set will come out a few weeks later. It's going to be really awesome. Hopefully, the story will keep us on our toes. And yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. It's going to be part one of four. Who knows what's actually going to stick and what's not going to stick. But you know what? We speculated. We're doing all we can, and that's why you're here. So if you're still out there listening, thank you so much for listening. And yeah, Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me today. It's been awesome having you, and I, I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. I, again, like, I'm a little bit of a lore nerd about stuff, so I like to, like, delve in and, and learn as much as I can. So this was, like, a fun exercise to, like, jump in and, and learn a little bit more about the set. And uh, and now I'm, like, I feel like I'm going to be more excited for the cards that I pull um, from this set because of the, that. I know a little bit more about it.
0: Yep, yep. And, again, if people are interested in checking out your Twitch stream or the Birds of Paradise... Where can they find those?
1: Yeah, so you can follow me on everything at um, Katie Karlov. I am on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Katie Karlov. And you can follow the Birds of Paradise on Twitter at BirdsMTG. And um, we have a link tree there that links you to everybody who's involved with the birds. Um, and you can see updates of what events we'll be at uh, there as well.
0: All right, sounds good. And if you're interested in checking out any of the previous me- episodes that I've mentioned, or just any of the episodes in the MTG in Quarantine Lexicon, you can find those on the usual podcast outlets. There's your Googles, Apple, Spotify, Player FM, RocketCast, PocketCast, Overcast, Podcast Addict, a million others, I never remember all of them. But hey, if it's a major podcast outlet, you, pro- you probably found the right place. And you can find me on Twitter at, at MTG in Quarantine. I'd like to utilize this opportunity again to give another huge shout-out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at Patreon.com slash Quarantine. So another huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Bence, Anomaly, Nick S., Frugal Brutal, Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach J-Row, Geek Beardly, and scoopers for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to Patreon.com slash Quarantine for more information. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.